0: welcome to future fuzz the digital marketing podcast
1: hey everybody thank you for listening to the next episode of future fuzz the digital marketing podcast this week i speak to pierce thurston who is a quality of mind expert now this is a slightly different podcast where we're looking at how our minds work and the way that we perceive our minds to work And how this really helps people get into a workflow can help business leaders managers basically anyone and it's a really interesting one i hope you enjoy it from beginning to end you can get in contact with peers about training and exploring before psychology by visiting qualityofmind.biz that's qualityofmind.biz enjoy the podcast firstly Thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure. I listened to your uh, podcast that you suggested, and it was absolutely brilliant. Very insightful. You cover quite a, I would say, a bit of a groundbreaking way of thinking. Would you say? Um, Yes. Can you tell people what term you're using to describe, um, yeah, what you do?
0: Yeah. uh, Well, firstly, thank you for inviting me. Always lovely to speak to someone with a fertile mind. So. Yeah, what we do with quality of mind is we call quality of mind as a before psychology approach. So I've been in the personal development and professional development change innovation area for 20 25 years, and there's lots and lots of approaches to how people can have more resourcefulness, well being, potential, performance in their lives. But where, where it's dawned on me in the last five 10 years is the real leverage point is actually going before. Our psychology. So it's not about lots of tools and techniques, it's not even about lots of psychological strategies Or if I do this and do like this, it's not even understanding more about me, you know, the self, my personality, my style. It's actually looking at something before that and a lot of people are like, well what's before that? You, you've, you've just listed everything I could possibly look at to improve. Well there's something about understanding the nature of us, what we truly are and what we aren't, more importantly, that once we have a realization about that, it's not. unfortunately it's not a knowledge get, it's a realized seeing. We kind of wake up to something about how we've innocently been getting in our way, how we've mistaken what we are and how therefore we get the most out of life, the richness out of life, the performance, the resilience, the creativity, the joy, the love, the inspiration, connection, all the things that we want. So we take it right back what I would call upstream and we look at the very nature of the, of consciousness, thought, the mind, and we start there, and then that leads to all the downstream practical psychological benefits that that, that people want.
1: In that podcast, there was the the talking that we're, when we're born, as we have no separation between the outside world and ourselves. Right, babies have a no no distinction, do they? um and as they develop and the the mind develops and and as humans we teach them certain things they lose that this they lose that connection do you you, do 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 we lose a certain connection there are we fooling ourselves in a
0: way yes so what happens is that we're our conditioning so we still are what we were as babies is we still are all one right Right. our conditioning points to not see the illusion so what happens is that from a young age, you're told you're Justin, I'm Piers. You're told the thing you see in the mirror is you, right? And that the world ends at the end. So you end at the end of your fingers or the head. You know, your, your body mind is what you are. Right. right. Because it can look like that. It does look like that. If I'm out in the street and I walk towards a tree, it looks like the tree is out there and I'm walking towards it. But if we've been taught something very different from a young age, we could easily see that it isn't that. Right, so you know a little bit akin to if you wear one of those virtual uh, reality headsets, one of the really good ones, and you're playing a game, you, you 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 walk towards the object in the game. That's all happening inside your mind, inside the headset, and that's fine. Same's going on in the real in the real world. We're <laughs> just not wearing a headset that we can see. So our condition, we've been conditioned to have what I would call a case of mistaken identity that this appearance of a self, uh, adjusting or appears, which does appear, mm. but we've been told is a separate entity that has a duality, i.e. A separation, to this external world of trees and buses and other people. It's not. It's all one field. It's all one system. It can appear separate. But in certain moments, when we're really in flow, whether that's through sport or love or dancing or working, you know, we really do sense we're all one. I don't just mean connected to our neighbours, but I mean to nature, to everything. All perceptions, sensations, uh, thoughts are arising in the same space. Something that James
1: Lovelock would call the cosmos. So, you know, the connection, effectively. Yeah. he avoids using the word universe he calls it the cosmos I think that's a nice terminology for it I recently reread, skim read a, uh, a, a, a book that he wrote about an about artificial intelligence and, and how that, that's the next stage of evolution and in, in his book he quotes Einstein and the Einstein quote goes the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind is a faithful servant, you also have used that before in, in your, in your yeah. courses so that's a fascinating quote isn't it and how does that relate to you know this upstream um may I call it technique or thinking that you use
0: Yeah well it's it points to the fact that there's there's the conceptual thinking mind the one that's been conditioned the one that has lots of knowledge and theories and concepts That's the servant uh, mind right that's the yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. that's the, that. We can, he calls it the rational mind. I mean, it, it, it's it's the world of concepts, really, yeah. and, and narratives, which we don't have when we're a tiny baby. Not just because we don't have language; we just don't have it yet. And that's the one that gets developed at school and and in life, you know. Um, and we've also got this kind of. You, you, and these these words are all slightly unhelpful, but this kind of intuition, this serendipity, this synchronicity, this wisdom, this kind of that comes through, which sometimes can make leaps in clarity or inspiration, and, and we love it when it comes through. We have a little light bulb, we have a realisation. Mm. Now because we're all addicts, now I don't mean to smoking or to profiteroles or to Facebook, I mean to thinking, right? I think it's one of the most contemporary problems we've got, is that we all think far too much. Oh yeah, with conceptual you there. We mind, right? We, yeah. we rely on that conceptual mind And we overthink, right? And that gets in the way of this more impersonal, if you want to call it intuitive, you could you could say wisdom, simplicity that comes through. And often it's when we get out of our head that the breakthrough answer comes through. If you're in a business and you're looking for some creativity or something to see through the wood for the trees, it's often when we get out of our heads. You know, and we kind of we look at it fresh and we go, oh, yeah, that's the oh, it's obvious staring me in the face. And I work businesses and so often that happens. It's like, oh, dope. how do I not see that? Mm-hmm. So our addiction to thinking, our addiction to thinking with the self, our lack of respect for what is non tangible, if I can put it that way, all means that we, we we don't we don't really understand enough or try and harness it in the wrong way. Because even when people do go oh yeah I, lo- I love the intuitive mind i do lots of tools and techniques to get it no i mean i, I was i did think called nlp in positive psychology for 10 years and that was trying to to think my way to get this intuitive mind working still through the self but when we dissolve the self it comes through in spades and it cannot be taught as a technique,
1: would I be right in saying that? It's not like a yes. toolbox that you can use and go, all right, well, today I'm going to, you know, block my calendar for four yeah. hours and I'm just going to do this.
0: Wouldn't it be lovely if we could control it? Because our mind wants, our self-mind, that, that one that appears, you know, mm. that wants to control and do everything, usually because it wants to fix reality, right? It wants to, you know. Now, if we do that, we're, we're trying to use in the conceptual mind to get to something which is beyond concept, so it doesn't really work. So actually it comes through much more powerfully when we get out of the way. So, uh, t- so there's a difference between doing something in order to make something happen, and there's thousands of books that will reverse engineer this, or try to, versus emergence. So emergence is just when that breakthrough thinking comes through. Oh yeah, here I see it now. Now we then try and go, oh, I'll reverse engineer that. I had a breakthrough when I was going for a walk, you know, when I was at the top of that hill. I'll go up there again and see if I can get it, right? Um, Or, I had a loving moment with with my partner when we were going out for dinner at that restaurant. Let's go there again. Or, I did really well at sport when I was wearing those pants, I'll wear them again. You know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm making it sound a little bit flippant now. No,
1: there's a lot of superstition in sport for sure, because they're trying to get to that flow which they experienced in another game. Exactly. Um, And actually, that flow
0: exists when we don't self-identify with reality, right? Yeah. So. That's why you can't think your way to it or tool or technique your way to it, which people don't like because the self comes in and goes, but I want to control it. I want it tangibly. I want it now.
1: We want to know how everything works, but it's not necessary.
0: Yes. Exactly. And that's why kids are so beautifully inspired and resilient and creative because they don't care. Oh, you said something
1: in in, in that in that podcast that I listened to, which absolutely resonated with me. So my daughter, Indy, she's now five years old. We went to do to a, a city run where everyone runs like five k, ten k, and there was a, you know as the kids are warming up, there's a bit of a dancing warming up moment, and the music comes on. She was absolutely mesmerized. She was dancing along, singing along a little bit. It was just really beautiful to see because she was so in the moment, there was no disconnect, you know, and she was the same as every other child there as well. And in a way, looking at her, I was like, I thought, oh, that's amazing. I wish I was
0: in that state right now. Kids are the best place to see it. You see that glint in their eye, they're in that moment, there's no inhibition, they're just doing it. My son used to buskers, you know, I said, where is he? Oh, he's dancing next to a busker. You know, just going for it. Absolutely in that moment, it's a great example. Love it, great.
1: now, you've mentioned flow a few times. This is, um, we, um, I would say, a common, more commonly used, uh, there's been books written about flow. I think there's a really, relatively famous one that I haven't quite read yet. You obviously probably know the name of the author. Um, how, just So what we'll leads on to my next question. How do you help business leaders or anyone that's in business um, with what you do uh, to, to maybe reach this flow or better understand it?
0: Yeah, so, so as we alluded to, um, it's not about, unlike, unlike what I used to do, giving people tools and techniques and strategies to have more flow. There are, there are ways you could do that, you know, have a yoga session, feel more in flow, you know, um, you know, turn some nice music on, you know, whatever. So we're looking at at a transformative, sustainable, pervasive level. And the, most, the best way to do that is to have the, what I would call the, the big realizations, the meta realizations around the nature of what we are. Because when we have that, in a spiritual language, you might call it awakening, but we don't need to call it that. But when we have that seeing, right, and when that pops for us, that we really understand that the self, this self-mind that's trying to run the world is just an appearance and it's not where the action's at. Once we've had those realizations, our propensity to be in flow increases. So, you know, most of us probably spend, if we're lucky, five, 10% of our day in flow. Once we've had some of this sort of, waking up to see what we truly are, um, that, that that just increases by itself because the 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 self mind that's blocking the flow. I, I talk I use a metaphor of an aperture. Right? So between the, the, the self and what we are before that. And when we're in flow, the aperture is more expanded. Now we're still accessing things from our learned mind, so we don't lose our ability to know our knowledge and our skills and our experience. it's not like we, we get particularly like an infant you know we still got to learn stuff but it's in beautiful balance and dancing with this in, more intuitive inspired creative in the flowness and that but we the way we do it with quality of mind is we, we do that very fundamentally so that then you've got that for life it's not a tool or a technique and it comes from having these 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 really uh, potentially life-changing realizations about the nature of what we are the upstream, at the foundation, the essential realizations, and it leads to flow at a very practical level. So we go from the profound, of the nature of consciousness, to the very practicalness of, well, how does flow turn up in my business meeting?
1: Yeah, and there, ha- there has to be a practical element, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I- I'm not someone who's a spiritual teacher that just sits there, you know, sort of trying to be some kind of guru telling you philosophical stuff. To me, the rubber hits the road, when people have a day at work and they come back and go well that went well Mm. or something didn't bother them as much or they feel more in love with their other half or they have a wonderful conversation with their kids or they just you know they that's where the rubber hits the road and and so this is not trying to vilify anything that happens at the psychological level or, or disavow the self now that's where that's where it happens but once you see what we're pointing to, about the nature of the mind, what we are, that happens with more ease and grace and gratitude and, you know, um, but yeah, it's about meeting people where they're at. This is trying to... You could say what we're doing is taking some very uh, esoteric, uh, difficult sounding things that spirituality has been pointing to and mystics over years and democratising them and making them relevant, contemporary and really accessible and simple. Not easy to start with, but simple. Future First is sponsored by SalesSource, B2B pipeline management and sales growth for your business.
1: I can imagine not easy at all to to start with, Um, let's let's try and bring in a world, a real world example. Mm. So, um, let's let's imagine, you know, we're we're in a meeting or there's a business meeting going on and it's a difficult meeting, it's challenging, Um, lots of difficult things discussed. Things haven't gone so well, according to our perception. Yeah. Um, how and 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 then um, it, you've mentioned before in in um, I'm sure this concept, and you've also said it in in that podcast I listened to about the world being your mirror in a way. So if you're if you're in a bad mood, others around you can appear to appear to be in a bad mood. You may be in a traffic jam. People in the traffic jam are a bit moody. Mm. You're a bit moody. There's a certain level of uh, world uh, reflection. On on how you how you are at that moment, we're also in a meeting in that situation. How can this way of thinking um, be practically applied to difficult situations? Yeah.
0: So once people have had a bit of understanding, what 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 they start to notice is that the, the feeling of the meeting, right, the feeling of anything, gives you a clue. So let's say the feeling the meeting feels a bit difficult, it feels a bit sticky, it feels a bit uncomfortable, it feels a bit whatever. You know, the, the kind of. Ugh. That gives us a little clue. Not that there's anything wrong in the meeting, right? That the aperture that I was using that metaphor um, has slightly contracted. And therefore, what you're perceiving thinking is not necessarily to be trusted, right? There's something that the mind's got a bit of psychological interference running, right? So don't quite trust what's coming through the screen of perception right then and go, okay, yes, it's, it's, yeah, okay. I can slightly see I'm in a contracted aperture now. And then that gives us a little clue And once we really see this, it happens by itself, you don't even need to do this as a manual process, but what we then see is, okay, so where am I identified with this? Where has my self, appearance of myself, stopped being an appearance and started looking like something that's under threat or something that needs something to happen? Where has the self started to seek or protect? Because in that difficult meeting, it might be like we've got some thinking going, yeah, but I don't look like an idiot in this. And, uh, I, people don't a go at me. Did I not do my job here? Or, it, you know, that's where we're normally going. Or this means something for the future. You know, people, you know, if I don't win this sale, then what am I going to do? You know, so that's mm. where my mind generally goes. Or we feel we're threatened in some way. Now that, that's never the case. I mean, it might be practically in the game of life you don't win the sale. Yeah, maybe. But that doesn't affect you at your core. That doesn't stop your capacity for well-being, peace, love, all that kind of stuff. Yes, you might have less money in your bank account for a week, but but it, our system reacts as if it's like, you know, can really get us. It can't. So, the, so to just break that down again, the feeling state you're in is giving a clue that the mind's aperture is contracted, which means we self-identified with something that's going on. The system then is resisting that and it's trying to seek or protect. Now once we spot that, just the noticing of it can dissolve it all. And then we start to see the very same meeting slightly differently. So those slightly smart, sarky comments we thought we heard, or the rolling of the eyes we thought we heard, well either we see them we think, well just they're having a bad day, or we just think, well, okay, well, maybe that's not what's going on. Maybe the person's just confused. So the very same meeting starts to look different. It can mm-hmm. still have its challenges. and not necessarily mean the outcome's going to be different. It may or may not be, but we're not so self-identified with it. The self is not looking so real and true in it because we've been alerted to the illusion not being seen through. And you can tell that from the feeling state. It, feel, it does feel, indeed, it feels like a
1: level of detachment, but also attachment to the fact that we're no different from the other people that are in the meeting and that we are if effectively the same as them in that meeting. Yeah,
0: I mean, everyone is psychologically innocent in what they're doing, right? So what I mean is if I was sitting across from Vladimir Putin right now, you know, I could see the oneness of us, and that might sound trite and stupid, but he is the same. Now, I don't condone anything that's coming out of his behavior, of course, mm. But he is the same and he is psychologically innocent. He is operating in the way that the world looks to him as the best thing he knows what to do. Right. Sadly, it's coming from a very contracted aperture and he happens to have the resources of a huge army. So that's why he's able to make the the negative impact on the world. But it doesn't mean at the level he's different. different He's not a different source to me or you. He's just got a different set of psychology going on right and he lives yeah. constantly in that contracted aperture would be my guess
1: well there's there is a strange but relatively famous quote that says goebbels loved his children
0: right yeah so in some it, it doesn't mean you know so it's very easy to go i was a horrible evil person well yeah behaviorally yes and i don't condone it no but we have to see that the system's capable of doing that and doing the other stuff and, and see that with neutrality. But I think if if we can start to really... So the practical thing, before we lose people into too much kind of whatever, is, is start to notice the feeling state of life, right? And stop yeah. attributing that to the situation. Oh, that meeting's difficult. That person's hard work, right? Because we, we make that that feeling state, an attribute of the situation, of the perception. It's not, that feeling state is giving you a clue as to where your, I would use the phrase aperture is. It's like a rumble strip in the road going, doo, 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 doo. you're coming out, you're, you're, you you know, you're losing it here a little bit, come back in. Not because the situation is difficult. It's because the minds. So basically, if you like sensations, like, you know, anxiety, stress, pressure, fear, they're useful. Because they're mm. telling you, you are not seeing something about the nature of the mind.
1: So, so that 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 that's very that's very practical, and that's something that people can think about today. So next time they, maybe over the weekend or whenever they're listening to this podcast, if you're listening now and you're on your bike or you're in the car or what have you, let uh, people should be encouraged to identify their feelings in a situation. Where are they coming from? Well, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. where it
0: gets tricky, because as soon as you say right. to someone, identify with your feelings and say where it comes from, they immediately start to look either to the world or right. the past. Right. Now, what we're saying is don't try and make meaning about where it's come from. Right. Just notice the sensation is giving you a clue okay. as to what I would describe as your aperture and how how you know how you're seeing the world don't try and make meaning because the self-mind you know that thinky mind that we said we're all addicted to that that could spend ages trying to make meaning about where (laughs) the feelings come from oh my word it gets very indulgent on that all we're saying is notice it oh there it is then go neutral on the narrative actually lean into the feeling just feel it right because often we think our feelings and don't actually feel them that's something else we do as adults we don't feel our feelings, we think them. We think them, yeah. We conceptualise yeah. them. Now, children are very good. You've got a tantrum a two-year-old. They are brilliant at feeling, but it doesn't last very long. They feel it quite intensively for a while. Pop. Then they're like, la, 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 <laughs> right? You, so, you have
1: just basically encapsulated my seven-year-old daughter, who it's, it, it's amazing to watch. She yeah. has the most insane tantrums, but 10 minutes later, it's yeah. like nothing has happened.
0: Whereas yeah. what we would say is, I'm angry. I'm angry about that. So we would kind of conceptualize it rather than lean into it. So, but the important thing is to go neutral on the narrative. So I'll I'll, I'll try and sum this up. So what we normally do is buy into the narrative, slightly avoid the feeling. I'm saying spin that round, go neutral on the narrative and lean into the sensation.
1: Fantastic. That makes
0: a big difference. While we... uh...
1: Wrap up to talk about this for hours, of course. Um, mm. let's put something out there. What are your feelings on the way that we are and we overthink and we are too much in our thoughts that that has a direct impact on the let's say people are saying mental health crisis yeah. that we have, especially in the youth, and also Alzheimer's disease and dementia?
0: Right, so they're, they're quite different. So I, I, I'll try and be succinct. So Absolutely, we think our way into lack of mental health and I I don't mean to be disrespectful or flippant to people who are suffering because that's real for them, right? But it comes from overthinking. It comes from having a narrative that has bought into how you are rather than seeing it as an appearance in consciousness, to to use trite language, right? So, and, and then it gets thingified, what I would call thingified by society. Oh yes, you've got that. Now, there is a, a very different way of seeing it, which is to respect the realness of that for people. So not to go, oh, stop attending, use snowflake, right? I don't mean that at all. Lean into it, but don't give it the meaning. And then, which is what a two-year-old does, or a five-year-old does, or even a seven-year-old does, and that's why they will have a moment-to-moment kind of blah, but they don't then think they've got a mental health issue. Whereas what we do as adults is we make it part of our conditioning and our narrative. Right. So that's the problem with that. Now, Alzheimer's is fascinating because actually what I see, and this is just my view on this, is that sometimes the people with dementia and Alzheimer's, they have lost that self. And that's why they can be in a beautiful place. The the suffering comes from when the self pops back in sometimes because it's very fragmented and tries to resist its own demise. And Mm -hmm. that's what's caused the suffering because they're kind of half in it, not in it. And that they want to be how they were, or their relatives want them to be how they were. And and the conflict that they have, where they're sort of half in their self-mind and half not, is what's caused a suffering. When they've completely lost the self, they're actually quite blissful. And they're like a child again. So Indeed. it's actually the halfway house of, not, of resisting the isness of what's going on that causes the suffering in dementia. The two basic topics I tried to give like one minute on
1: are not really. Yeah, on. yeah, indeed. I, I was, uh, I would have been reading that there's concerns of the overthinking with maybe not dementia, but overthinking and intelligent, very intelligent, um, people were, um, the study is not proven by the way, but they, are, uh, they may have a propensity to suffer from Alzheimer's what because they Alzheimer's use their, they their they brain so much.
0: I mean, Um, maybe that is the case. I mean, who knows why there's such a prevalence of Alzheimer's? I mean, I think all this overthinking that we've been doing, particularly for the last 50 to 100 years, it seems to be, you know, there's probably going to be consequences for this for the psychology. And that could be one. I mean, I don't don't know. Uh, It's interesting whether they you'd have to have a long time to do that study. But I think once Alzheimer's is happening. It's the resistance to, oh, no, it shouldn't be like this. So uh, another little sort of thing I'll say just is, is a very sort of small statement, but actually it covers everything. All, anything that we struggle with, any suffering, mild or major, comes from a resistance to the isness, if you want to call it that, to the what is, and the, that resistance comes from us self-identifying i.e seeing a separation and duality between us and what is so that so that really anything that we resist causes suffering brilliant We resist a lot less when we see the nature of the self
1: very fascinating Piers. a lot for me to think about and i'm sure others that are listening today um can you talk about how you you help uh, business people or or what you do because i do understand you you have um a course
0: yeah so whether we do it through like one-to-one coaching or with a group or a team um the way we work is we before we well we we first of all meet you where you're at and understand all the challenges and all the things you want to achieve and before we the way we solve that is in two parts one we get people to have some realizations through what we call self-inquiry which is a direct experience self-inquiry to the nature of what we are the mind which is quite profound quite odd to start with, but then it becomes like, oh yeah. So we work on those meta realizations. And then when people have had those, we ask them to see the implications of that for their day-to-day life and work. So then you kind of start to see, oh, and then that, if you like, cleans up someone's psychology. Yeah, so we started very upstream and then we, br- we bridge it back to the day-to-day. And then what will happen is the very things that they wanted some work on or wanted to be better, I've kind of just, they've either just dissolved or they've got a new level of resourcefulness behaviourally or action-wise of what to do. So there is this, um, this sort of first phase, which is usually done immersively in a three-day programme, which helps people have these meta-realisations. And a lot of that does the heavy lifting, actually. You know, people will, at the end of that three-day programme, be like, wow, well, those problems I thought I had just don't look so big anymore. That's cool. Mm. But we usually support it with a bit of coaching afterwards. Um, but we, we, we do this sort of, the way, I'll put it in a different language. The way we get to people having a, a life with more ease and enlightenment is by sort of waking them up first to this mistaken identity and this misunderstanding that materialism and physicalism has driven. Um, and we, we, we fix, we reorientate that, then we get into the day-to-day. And what's beautiful about that is it doesn't just solve the problems they thought they had, it future-proofs things going forward. So this is something that once you will see, they've got it for life. And the most common comment we get is, I wish I'd seen this before. That is a really common comment people say. I wish I'd recognised this, realised this 10 years earlier. And it's probably been staring
1: us all the while in the face, hasn't it? In plain
0: sight, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And one of the challenges with being human beings is that we forget. So it's very, very important that we we sharpen the, sharpen the knife, right, for want of a better expression, but... People well, need, uh, well, we
0: can have yeah. the realization, and then get out of it, but that's only because the rest of society kind of drags us back down again. Right. So most people who have the realization, it's kind of theirs for life then, and as long as they keep re- keep reminding themselves. But it yeah. doesn't take a lot of reminding once you see it, right? You know, you kind of go through a valve moment. I like sometimes describe it as like, oh wow, you know, and you can't really go back through that valve but apart from in moments when you forget it, but when you restore, you come back above the valve. Um, so that's the beauty of it, that there's a, I mean, a lot of training courses have a half-life, they kind of wear off, Yeah. whereas quality of mind seems to do the opposite, it seems to get better with age, you know, as long as you stay a little bit curious to it. But it doesn't require a lot of like daily maintenance, it's more just like, just seeing it, because the more you see it, the more the pieces of the puzzle just sort themselves out, and you're like, oh, of course, so there's a natural curiosity. I think people get a natural resonance and curiosity with it, which means they can just effortlessly keep keep being curious and exploring, um, which is lovely. And, op- and open
1: so, to absolutely
0: everybody, of course, any, yeah, and any, that, human, thing, any human being. Yeah, and that's a very yeah. universal thing. It, it, you don't have to be clever or smart or old or a gender or a particular... And actually, as you were saying, people who are really smart academically struggle the most to see this because they, they lack, innocently, let's say, intellectual humility to let go of their current view because they're so addicted to thinking they're such big thinkers and this requires a and that's why I do a three day program that slows the mind down to see past the thinking so sometimes people who are less let's call it educated or academic would see this easier which tends to annoy the really smart people, because they're like, how do you get so bad? <laughs> well, luckily, I class myself as not being a very smart person. Well, you know, that's why kids are so fertile, right? Yeah.
1: Vulnerable. Oh, well, I think it was about 13 years old. I cried on my 13th birthday, and I said, and my dad said, why are you crying? And I said, I don't want to grow up,
0: because oh. I was looking
1: at the sadness in their lives, and I thought, <laughs> God, being an adult looks rubbish. Um, anyway, Piers, brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Fantastic. Um, I'm going to this afternoon pick up my kids and have a lovely conversation with them. I'm very motivated to do that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, well th- people can find you Piers Thurston, T H U R S T O
0: N on LinkedIn. And the website is? Uh quality of mind So Piers Thurston on LinkedIn. Quality of mind Podcast called Quality of Mind. I've also got a, a website called piersthurston.com, dot com, but quality of mind is the main one. Um and yeah, and you know, Justin, sometimes we need a part two of this, so if you feel like revisiting some of this or you get some great listener feedback, we can always do, it, do another one, um, whatever. But I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity to come and have a lovely chat with you. So Fantastic, um, thank, thank you. So May,
1: maybe we'll, we'll, we'll fish someone else to join us in as well, a leader. Yeah,
0: I'm always up for kicking the tires of this, you know, so because um, it's best realised and inquired into rather than just going, oh, really? So, yeah, up for that, up for that. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Piers, for coming on. Enjoy your weekend. Cheers, then. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast. If you liked what you've heard today, please don't forget to subscribe.